0: Welcome, everybody, to the Untold Adventures Podcast, part of the illustrious gentleman podcast dynasty. That's right. We're building a goddamn dynasty. Uh, It's a show where I try to convince professional storytellers to either tell me a story or they can choose a topic that we'll discuss. Um, I essentially started a podcast where uh, my guest does all the work. So this podcast is the cute girl sitting shotgun in your car. In high school, next to my other podcast, The Illustrious Gentleman, uh, I co-host that one with Scott Godleski, comic artist, and uh, you can support both shows by going to patreon.com slash tigshow and tigshow.com for merch. Uh, so even though this podcast is separate from The Illustrious Gentleman, you'll be able to find updates on the TIG Show Twitter and Instagram accounts at TIG underscore show. And like I said, become a patron at patreon.com slash Show helps support everything that we do for both podcasts. Uh, Also subscribe to that YouTube channel and leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcasts at my guest this week is writer of comic books, former journalist, former DJ and proud son of Tucson, Arizona, the old Pueblo Henry Barajas Uh, Tucson personally for me holds a special place in my heart. My oldest son lives there. Uh, One of my oldest friends from high school also lives there and it's home to one of my favorite, shows, the Tucson Comic Con. Uh, Whenever other pros ask me about the Tucson show, I always tell them you're not going to make a lot of money there, but it's a really fun town and the show treats you better than most shows do. Um, So Henry and I talk about great Tucson spots like uh, Club Congress, uh, the Buffet, one of my favorite bars in the entire country. Uh, He also mentions Mr. Heads, which is a no longer around bar that he used to work at. Um, Tucson kind of reminds me of like the type of town that hasn't yet been totally ruined by gentrification. There's not a ton of 30 year old yuppies there with money. Um, you know, just building condos everywhere. And it hasn't quite yet been swallowed up by too many brunch spots. I mean, there's still cool spots available in Tucson. It's affordable. It's a little dirty. It's, it's my kind of town. Um, Henry's love for Tucson is evident in his graphic novel, La Voz de Mayo, Tata Rambo. Uh, It's a personal story about his grandfather's activism, and it was published by Top Cow Comics. Uh, It was illustrated by fellow Latino and friend of the program, friend of ours, Jason Gonzalez, who we lovingly refer to as Gonzo during the course of this uh, conversation. So besides gushing about the old Pueblo, Henry also wanted to talk about the Arizona comic scene after convention parties or bar cons, which is my personal favorite thing about doing comic conventions is uh bar cons getting drinks after the show it's the reason i do conventions so uh here we go with untold adventures and my pal and soon to be yours henry barajas (music) nice beer though where where, did you have to go to like a where'd you find the orion was it like at a
1: so there's a place around the corner from me. That's like a, like this really awesome liquor store with an amazing beer selection. And, and it's like, all the shelves are mapped out in regions that aren't right. in the fridge. So I, I just looked over at the Japanese shelf and I saw this beer and like the, the box, he like was out of Akira and I was like, <laughs> and I looked at it and it, You know, premium draft beer. Uh just uh it looks like looks like their version of PBR.
0: Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna taste a lot like their version of PBR. It's not a very good beer. I drink it out of I drink it for nostalgic reasons. Uh but it's not because
1: it's like cheap beer. Yeah. Eight bucks for six pack. It's like
0: oh wow, that's not bad. Yeah, normally I have to go to like one or two places in Phoenix that carry it. And then they only sell it in like the bomber. So it's like three bucks for a bomber. Oh. Yeah.
1: Now they have a whole like six pack or like a giant 12 pack.
0: Cool. All right. Is that, um? does that have the made by, cause they were bought by Asahi. Was, is yours from Okinawa or is it from Japan with an Asahi logo on it?
1: It says imported from Okinawa. Nice. Uh, Orion Breweries. Yep. Uh, limited. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My friend lives in mainland Japan, and he has to get the sahi version, which he says tastes a little different. But uh, is that like, the guy that
1: always goes to Tucson Comic Con?
0: No, that guy lives in Tucson, but oh, he is okay. but he is Okinawan. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it since you have such an important phone call later tonight uh,
1: <laughs> in Hong Kong. It's not important. <laughs>
0: it's just. It's,
1: it's like this is like shipping company that wants to help my day job. Right. With some shipping opportunities. and right. Because it's in Hong Kong, 8 o'clock there, 8 o'clock here, 9 o'clock here is 11 o'clock in the morning there.
0: Right. Wow. Working overtime. Um, all right. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, like, what was the Tucson scene like? Because I know what the Phoenix comic scene was like from like 2006 on, but what was the Tucson scene like when you started making indie comics? You're a lot younger than me, so I don't even know yeah. when you started doing this. You look the, we look
1: like we're the same age.
0: <laughs> I got the, I got the Barbara Walters filter on.
1: <laughs> um, so I started when I was 18 years old. Um, and I used to go to, I used to go to Heroes and Villains. And every week, this guy named Arnie Bermudez used to host a, a sketch-up, like a sketch afternoon. And you just had a bunch of people there, like, you know, drawing and books and talking. And, and then we'd, like, wander into the shop and, like, tell each other what we were into. Um, so what year is that? 2006, 2007 is when I would go there and i kept trying to get a job there and they wouldn't hire me they were just like Your resume's not up to snuff i was 17 18, <laughs> and they were like come back dressed as like in a tie and i'm like nobody wears ties here we right. wear smocks you know so i just wasn't like making an impact enough on the owner and uh but i didn't really like going there anyway because like i wanted to buy punisher the end when it came out by garth ennis and uh, who, who was drawn to Tim Bradstreet, I think, and um, they wouldn't sell it to me, even though when I, I brought my dad in to buy it, and he wouldn't buy it for me. So I harbored this this like weird anger towards that shop. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were getting every time I'd want to work there, you know? Right. And uh, there were some there were some guys who I probably shouldn't name that worked there, just because I mean, you know, that they're. There were, I mean, one guy, we just, we had a bad falling out because he had hired me to do some lettering work for him and he never paid me, didn't give me credit until I asked for it. And then he, uh, and then, and then he like backhanded, insulted me. So now he's in LA and he's writing TV or this is what he says he does. And the other guy is riddled with uh, sexual assault, uh, right. allegations. So... Right. these guys were like the guys you know everybody loved these guys they made these weird comics these like like homophobic comics these comics about like atheism and and superman and they were just like the destined stars of tucson so like whatever you did was like bumped up against them and i was shopping at this place called charlie's comics and and I was going there all the time. I'd probably be there three to four times a week, and that's where like I got my comics. And uh, and then one day I was like, "Hey, man, you know, I want to make comic books." And he was like, "You need to meet Eric Shock." And I was like, "Okay." So I like met up with this guy, Eric Shock. He like wore a tre- like a leather trench coat, like <laughs> at a time where it, it wasn't cool because of <laughs> like you know <laughs> right uh, right.
0: He's got a bitchin', bitchin' uh, flat top, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, and just not, I mean, like, he just was like, you want to wait, comics kid? And I was like, yeah, I'll do anything. So he, he took me under his wing. If it weren't for him, I, I wouldn't have got out my first comic. I would have never lettered my first comic. He taught me how to letter comics. And at the time, I was with my high school sweetheart, and she, I, like, I knew, like, there was a thing between them. Like he would come over at 11 o'clock at night and I had to go to bed because I had to go to work, you know, at nine in the morning. And I was like, all right, man, well, you should probably go because I'm going to bed. He's like, no, I'm going to stick around. And she'd be like, yeah, I'm going to stay up with him. And I was like, all right. (laughs) She was driving my truck to work like I was riding the bike to work. So I was like making comics and going to work at Citibank. And uh, Artie Bermudez, he we co-created a comic called A Loco together, and um, we were on the news, we were in the newspaper. So I felt like there was a sense of jealousy between me and Eric and like the rest of the scene, just because I had a better knack at like getting a hold of the press. Right. And all you had to do was just tell them what you were doing. You know, if it was like socially relevant, which it was, A Loco was about a Mexican superhero that fought the chupacabra and racial profiling. He couldn't bust the bad guy because ice would keep coming to to arrest him right and arnie was a political cartoonist for one of the closed daily papers the tucson citizen so he was like really into it because of the background his then girlfriend now wife katie was like editing us and helping us and we'd be like at his house at two in the morning just like hashing out details he'd be drawing like lettering that's like when i started when i was 18 years old and and then I had met Christian Valer, um, and he was kind of in a weird place in his life because he was working with Scott Godewski, and they kind of drifted, you know, and he really didn't have anybody to work with. So he had put out Astrophobia, which was like, I didn't know, but it was, a, I guess, a problem in the Phoenix scene because he drew he drew everybody naked in the comic.
0: <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I don't. I There's there's certain clicks within the Phoenix comic scene, so I don't really know yeah. Christian that well. Yeah. There was like
1: one click in Tucson, and it was a broken click. Like it was a clack. should probably right. call it a clack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It, yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix is much more uh, split. There's splinter yeah. groups. There's splinter cells in Phoenix. Because back then,
1: and then when I started working for the two, uh, Phoenix comics, uh, back then, at Phoenix Comic Con, because mm-hmm. I was working for Tucson Comic Con, then I did a year at Phoenix Comic Con. Kind of sounds like a prison, you know? Like, yeah. a year at Phoenix. and
0: Yeah, it's the day you met, go in, the day you come out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I met Christian, and, and he is such an incredible artist. And I loved Astrophobia for how like raw and how he just didn't care about what anybody thought. And we had made Captain Unicorn. And um, we'd sold, like, 500 copies, you know. We had wow. printed 500, and we had sold them all, and we couldn't get it picked up by any publisher. Right. And um, he he was just, uh, I think he just, um, he was very, like, particular about his Photoshopping skills. And a lot of it wasn't, like, it would if it came out now, it would be a completely different conversation and he did everything himself. So we had, you know, I had my lettering skills, which weren't great then and his like heavy Photoshop was just something people really didn't recognize.
0: I remember it, it being very kind of airbrushy, like uh, yeah, like seventies well, van style. It yeah. Was it was crazy.
1: very heavy metal. Like we wanted, we wanted this to be in heavy metal. Right and it just didn't um it didn't like resonate with anybody on a publishing standpoint like nobody really like it was about a gay superhero that killed bigots it was like what if anderson cooper had a gay man horse superhero baby with mark zuckerberg and had controlled the media that's how he made all his money like back then we were like this guy's gonna be so rich because he has everybody's information, he controls the biggest Facebook company, and what if somebody um, just unloaded all that information out there, like how like everybody's Facebook information? That was like that's what we were working towards, but because we couldn't get picked up in any way, it just didn't it didn't go any further than that. And you know, he as you know, like within people in comics, especially in Arizona, we don't like it, when you keep pounding the pavement and you got a wife and kids and you got like a life. And I was just a single guy who just had nothing to lose. Right. So that's, that stalled my comic book career. I then became a comic book journalist, started writing about comics for comicsbeat.com. And that's how I stayed relevant in the industry by interviewing everybody by getting to know every publisher, editor, marketing person, convention organizer, and realizing, Oh, you can, you can kind of jump in to the publishing company and then you can then make comics from yeah. there.
0: Have you gotten any, um, this wasn't a uh, part of, part of the conversation originally, but have you uh, gotten any negative feedback from that? Like cause you were a comics journalist and now you work for a publisher and now you're writing comics. Do you get any? You feel like you are getting any shit from anybody because you kind of. Some people might think you skipped the line if they only know that you worked at the publisher and then you published a book there. They might think like, "Oh, that's bullshit." Yeah, uh, I don't know what if you, you got, think. No, I you. Uh, <laughs> so that's you know, some people are
1: saying that. I just don't,
0: <laughs> no. I just. I'm always. I'm always curious about how if. If because I mean, everyone on everyone, everyone who reads comics wants to make comics, exactly, and, they, and they've all got shitty opinions. So I'm just wondering, have you heard? Have you gotten any flack <laughs> for anything? Or,
1: um, no, that's good. I haven't, thankfully. I, I think people, I don't, I don't get any. See the problem, Ryan? I don't hear anything bad said about me. That's, <laughs> that's, I wish someone would tell. Be honest. You know what I mean? And say, hey, like you got in this way, but uh, from everything I had learned as a comic book journalist, writing about comics, learning about the industry. And I like to think of that as my college. You know, I I did a lot of that for free and, but that allowed me to get in places that I would have never had access to.
0: Yeah. I remember when, cause we knew each other, we knew each other for a long time and then We would hang out at shows and stuff like that. And then after you did, after you were writing at the beat and stuff, then all of a sudden, like you were introducing me to people, like you knew everybody. And it's you know, it was it was almost like a role reversal. Like I would take (laughs) you under my wing early on at Phoenix Comic Con, and then it was like a role reversal. We'd go to a bar, and you would introduce me to everybody. Yeah, Uh, it was
1: it was funny because I think it was Sean Mumbram. Is that how you say his last name?
0: I think so. Yeah,
1: he uh, in, he said you need to meet Ryan. And if it weren't for Sean, I would have never got my first published comic. That had, didn't didn't involve me paying for.
0: And right through his uh, through Spaz rest, right? Yeah, yeah. so Spaz
1: that was I think the best click in Phoenix. Like Sean was so good at being uh, apolitical and letting people do whatever they wanted and giving everybody a platform doing all the logistics through the kickstarter I, I christian and i had contributed to uh the smith's anthology the right nine take over and we were we to this day we, we love to to remis- reminisce on that because it was like we were just he was so fast that we were talking about what we wanted to do we, that's where captain unicorn first it initially spawned it was supposed to be like morrissey it was supposed to be a commentary on like the um the like homoerotic nature of Morrissey and the Smiths. But then Morrissey had said that KFC killed more living things than the Holocaust. So,
0: it's so problematic to be a Smith
1: fan. <laughs> and we were like, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was so fast. He just like whipped up a, a story about us going to a, restaurant where you brought your own animal and you got to slaughter it however you wanted and at the end morrissey kicks in the this restaurant like the punisher and kills every all the humans and frees all the animals right and every time there was a bbc or like anything mentioned because that anthology was like filled with a lot of interesting stories and great artwork but it was hard to like pin something to it you know, cause it's an anthology. Right. So a lot of people just like sum up, Oh, Morrissey is a superhero in this. Right. And that's, and it, and it felt good when we were like, Oh, we finally are getting attention, you know? And, uh, that was, I mean, obviously a, a lot on Christian's part, but, um, when I had met you at Phoenix con, cause he was like, you gotta meet this guy. And I just loved your artwork and really loved the output you were, you were doing. And, and, um, it was always like a goal for me to like, I have like a, I have a secret unwritten uh, list of people in Arizona that I will never ever work with and that I will make sure never work. Right. And then I have a, a list of people like yourself who I want to see work
0: Right. and I want to
1: see do well in this, in this industry.
0: Well, I'm glad that I – I hope I don't switch lists at any point. Uh, I'll let you know. Don't worry. Okay, good. Yeah, I have a Morrissey story. I think I've told it once or twice before, but years ago he played the Arizona State Fair in Phoenix. And uh, my wife at the time uh, used to always make fun of me for liking the Smiths. Like she she just didn't grow up on that stuff like I did. Yeah and uh but he was playing the state fair so she's like okay we'll, we're gonna go she got me tickets i was like because i'd never seen the smiths or morrissey obviously to that point so we're going there he had just released a really good album so this was probably like 90 98 99 97 something like that and so he, the show's going great i'm loving it you know i'm trying to get her like hey can't you see you know it's all a bunch of like hispanic men there you know but it's like me too and i'm like i'm like can't, can't you see how great this is everyone loves this and then and then he uh he ripped open his shirt and his nipples had band-aids on them. and then she just looked at me and walked away and i was oh. like i could never i could never come back from band-aid nipple Morsi. he'll never live wow. that one down that uh, is beautiful yeah it is uh, so how would you uh, how would you compare then the now that you've lived in California for a while and you know a lot of creators there? How would you compare their scene, I guess, to the Arizona scene? Like, there's obviously there's obviously yeah. more like Hollywood type people there and editors there. But I mean, do do you feel like do you still feel like you're part of like a good crew there, or do, is it not oh, as tight?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, um, it it was a godsend to be honest. Because unfortunately, unless you're like a savant or some like really talented person that just nobody can say, like no one can hold a candle to you. There are some people in Arizona that had worked up to that, that had right. moved there, you know, and we're already working in the industry. Um, but then there's the other people that have no reference or understanding of the industry and when you're here I'm very grateful for the time that I had working with Heidi McDonald I had worked for comics beat I had done I was actually moving to Arizona. I'm moving from Arizona to California doing some stuff for LinkedIn cool so I had some like leverage to say hey I, I know people these are the you know here's what I know and when you come out here no one cares um about you here. Like they're worried about making good comics because that's what sells. And it's less about right. you and more about your craft. So when I started to like, oh, work on my craft and get better, and realize that this is where this is where everything is, is happening. It gave me a better understanding of how to do this. So then I realized, oh, Boom Studios is out here. DC Comics is out here. Top Cow Productions, Humanoids, like all these publishers and there's all these opportunities to get into the industry. Right. And there's all these people that live here because they work there. And the, the great thing was I had met some people throughout my years of going to San Diego Comic-Con who were like, hey, you're fun at Comic-Con. Come and have fun here with us. And I and I and I like you know without guys like Dennis Culver, and Tony Fleece and like all the Garage Studios guys, they were very accepting and very welcoming to me, and I'm very grateful for that. So um, it was just a different level of people having a better understanding of not only the business but of their craft, but also of just how to be. You know, right when you're a donut, you're in a small pond, and the big fish. Soak up all the water and they think that this is it. They're the business. And it's not. It doesn't matter where you are. You know, you you could live anywhere and make comics. And when you realize that, it just makes this whole thing a little bit easier to do.
0: Uh so your email <laughs> so your email mentioned um so I mean I guess I I would assume that living in Southern California has advantages over trying to make comics in Arizona, but I just base that off of the idea of like working in animation or something like that. It's easier if you're in California, it's easier to get storyboard gigs. If you're in California, oh, uh, yeah. do, do you think it's easier? So people who listen to this, who might want to make comics, do you think it matters if you're in, if you're in Southern California or not, or if you're networking at like, you know, the Southern California shows or.
1: I think um, I will, What I tell everybody is where do you, where do you want to work? Is it Marvel? Let's just say Marvel. Okay. I always say, all right, who's the, who's the publisher? And if they can't tell me who the publisher is, then they're in trouble. You know? So if you can't tell them, you can't tell me who's working at these companies, then that's, that's a problem. So if you move out here and don't know who these people are, you're screwed. Right. You might as well live wherever, you know, right. I think it's important to know who, who's who at image comics makes the decisions right and who at marvel and dc and where you can get in so if you're in california great you can go to the mixers and the signings and the and the cons and, and meet these people because they're here it's harder sometimes at shows on the road because they're in a certain city they meet a certain the editors and publishers meet with certain people and then they go to the hotel or go to the hotel bar and that's it. Right. When you're at in California, you know, they're they're a little bit more accessible. And I'm lucky that um, that I had a life outside of comics. I think that's important. Is you know, you knew me when I was working at Mr. Head's, you know, I was a bartender. And daytime bartending, nighttime, uh bar back. Right. And that gave me an ability to talk to people in a way that that I'm so grateful you know and being a journalist and being in different like facets like being a radio DJ I think I have a better um, way to to get to get in touch with somebody to like empathize and to relate to somebody in a way that isn't that creepy
0: right because yeah.
1: the, the amount of comics I know is creepy because you can't teach it
0: yeah, it's a uh, no school. Yeah, that's it, it's it's the one. Um, it's the one thing that nobody wants to hear, but it might be the most important thing: is being able to talk to people and not come off as a complete creep. Like there's no the 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 whole first impressions things is true. If you try to if you're at a bar with some editors and everyone's just cool and having drinks, and you start trying to pitch an editor and you don't know your your pitch or you don't know how to talk to people. You don't know, you don't know how to be in, in a social situation. Everyone is going to remember that and you're never going to get a second chance. Like, that's a good point. It's important to, to learn, to talk to people if that's what you want to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, anything creative, right? Exactly. When you're at that point where you're at a show, hotel, bar, a bar con, whatever you want to call it, you're meeting these people and say, Hey, let me get your business card. I want, can I shoot you an email? Right. And if they go no, then you know where you're at. And if they're like, sure, please send me an email, give me a call, let's talk. Then that's a good thing. You know? I was right. lucky when I met Matt Hawkins, he gave me his business card. He was like, Next time you're in LA, let's get lunch. And um and they eventually got a job. You know, it's yeah it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of uh a lot of uh no's. You get more no's and you ever get a yes. And, um, it's all about just being nice to people, you know, like I'll never forget you coming to my bar and having a beer with me like that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And no, nobody in comics ever did that.
0: Yeah. I still have uh you took my phone and you took a picture of me and I still use that as my headshot for a lot that's of a my, photo. Sh- yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's just like you create these moments with people,
0: right? that's
1: important, you know, like I'm so grateful for all the moments I've created. And when it comes time to say, oh, wait, do you know, Henry or hey, I, got, I met this guy named Henry. They have a positive impact.
0: Right. Yep. Know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that is is uh, as far as socializing goes and being able to socialize. Uh, yeah, like Barcon, like you mentioned uh, in your email, you mentioned like post San Diego kind of Barcon stuff. I haven't been to San Diego Comic Con since you were probably like eighteen or nineteen, so <laughs> I, I I haven't done that show since 06. Um, but, yeah, but yeah I mean, it's, it, the after parties are important. The Barcon is important. It, it
1: it's you know it's important and it's not.
0: It's right, It's whatever right, right. you make of it.
1: You know. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't drink, there is a whole group of people that don't drink and hang out and do D&D in their hotel rooms, yeah. you know, and you could get in touch with those people. Right. There are people that just don't hang out afterwards. Like, there are people that have dinners, you know, you go have a big dinner. And if you're not invited to that dinner, start your own dinner. It's amazing how, like, if I don't get invited, I'll just say, hey, let's go to dinner to yeah. somebody. And then, like ten minutes later, three people will come up and be like, "Hey, you having a dinner?" And I was just like, "No, I was just having dinner with him." But you're welcome to come.
0: You know, just make your own dinner. Right. Uh, how cool is it though to go to big post show parties? I've oh, never, I've, I've never been to an official after party that the con <sighs> didn't put on. Like, I've never been to a WB party. I've never been to like a Fox party. Or well, that's why.
1: That's why I say, just start your own right you know and then when you start your own and people come then they're like the next night hey we're uh, we're having a thing and you just come by you know last year every year at comic-con i buy a six-pack so i, I after the show i buy a six-pack of uh Tecate, Me and a good friend um i don't know if he wants my i'm not gonna say his real name but we'll call him bill Uh, he, we both get a six pack and we both have it. So when the bar is closed at like 11 or 12 or one or two, we still have more to drink. And when there's another party happening, they're like, this place is out of beer. Can you want to come? And you're like, sure. Right. So last year I had my six pack and a friend of mine was like, Hey, the yacht I'm staying on, we ran out of beer. And you're the only one with beer here do you want to come and i was like of course because <laughs> last year the hyatt was closed down and where we all stayed and hung out hung out was at the hyatt which is the most annoying loudest yes. place you could yes. ever
0: be yes
1: but it was just a tradition it was just a lifeline of tradition eventually you smarten up and go to the hilton bay front And hang out there because there's like a patio there's a huge bar the uh, acoustics is much better there but like you have friends there at the hyatt that always been there and we all ended up on a yacht right across from where we would hang out and um that was the most comfortable after con experience and the most casual and awesome fun i've had in a long time at, at san diego
0: yeah, I like what I struggle with is because I still don't know like a ton of people. I know a handful of people, uh. But like I, I don't like I look. Don't get me wrong. I love like bar con in theory, but I don't like yeah. paying. I don't like paying ten bucks for a beer at the Hyatt or a Hilton or something Bring like around, that. Bring your own, baby. So the best thing about Heroes in Charlotte is that a Whole Foods opened up on the other other end of the <laughs> hotel lobby, so you can just go buy bombers at Whole Foods, uh. But like my biggest thing is I do get, have social anxiety. So I will have those instances where it's like, Oh, I know that person. And then like the, you know, someone I'm hanging out with is like, well, why don't you go say hi to them? And I'm like, they don't want to say hi to me. Like they're <laughs> talking to somebody else. So I have those experiences, but yeah. Same. I, would, I mean, it, my, yeah.
1: I had those experiences when I first started. I remember going to comic con with the two guys I had mentioned before who I will not name they were 21. I was 18. I was going to these random like things. Didn't know anybody. It was soul crushing. Right. Yeah. So I never want anyone to feel that way. So I always talk to somebody who's standing alone or right. I'm always like trying to make them feel a little bit more welcome because that was the worst.
0: Yeah. And I'm always trying to get I'm always looking for the out of the bar con, like out of the hotel bar party. Like yeah. where's the local bar that people go to? Or when people come to Phoenix for the Phoenix show, you know, I'm like, well, let's go to this bar. It's about a, it's about a half mile walk, but it's so much cooler than like the, you know, the hotel bar. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be a better vibe, a better atmosphere. Were um, you,
1: were, was, were, did, were we together when we went to the underground bar in, at Phoenix?
0: Underground bar and it's like all red. Yeah, that was uh, that was that bar is actually in the bottom of a uh, Cornish pasty. Yeah, yeah, That's that was a,
1: the best after Phoenix. Yeah, because we were the only
0: ones down there. It was only like there's like twelve creators, and that was it. Oh um, yeah, it was fantastic. It was all rowdy,
1: like sequential, yeah, essential sequential guys, and they were yeah. super chill, super fun. And, uh, yeah, like I, I love doing that. I remember after amazing Arizona con, we'd go to the tilted kilt.
0: Right. And
1: that was always just like, why would we ever go there? But it just became a tradition. You know, it was just like, we have to go there the first night. That's just how it works now.
0: Right. Yeah. It's funny how, uh, I mean, I wouldn't recommend people who are just trying to get into the business. Don't become that asshole at bar con where you see a group of creators and you just like kind of push up on them. And start talking. But I do think when you're first getting in and you're not a, like there's, there's friends of mine, like someone like Phil Hester, he'll go to dinner and then he'll immediately, you don't see him after because he goes to bed. And, yeah. and, and I like that. And it, at some point I'll probably get to that point, but I still enjoy the social aspect too much. Yeah. But I do love kind of like looking for who's hanging out, who's drinking. Like I, I, I do even though I'm older now I still relish like closing out closing out the lobby bar or yeah. you know going hung over to the show the next day or something like that like that's <laughs> that's why I want to do shows when people say like like let's say like my like my wife or friends who aren't into comics they'll be like oh how much money did you make at that show and I'm like well not really huh? I mean if you take everything into account I probably didn't make hardly anything and they're like, well, why would you want to go work 8, 9, 10 hours at the show and then travel and all that You know, 30 hours over the course of a weekend? And I'm like, because there's going to be about 15 hours where I'm hanging out with people I only see at these shows. Like there's, there's right. East Coast comic friends I only see when I do an East Coast show. There's like Tucson Comic Con. I love Tucson. So I'd love to yeah. do that show because I just love going to Tucson. I mean, I don't, you know, no offense to Tucson Comic Con. I'm not making money at Tucson Comic Con. Right. I just yeah, want I mean, to I hang think, out.
1: I think like the culture we have cultivated at Tucson Comic Con, you know, of like getting as many people involved as possible, like your um, free comic book day show. Like there's the legendary Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, you know, jam night. And right. there's just things that like happen when you cultivate. And a very inclusive scene, and right? And that, yeah, like Tucson is a perfect example of that. People right. love coming to Tucson because we all go to Hotel Congress. We all go to like Fourth Avenue, hit up a bunch of bars. And if I'm there, I know a lot of bartenders, and they all are very generous pours. And it was just a great time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like uh, I've learned to love those smaller shows because when you do a show that only has, let's say. 10 quote unquote guests, like creator guests or pro level guests, everyone hangs out that, that you, there's only one click cause there's not enough people to have more than one click. So I love right. that kind of show where, yeah, we're all going here or we're all going there. It's like a traveling like circus of like, <laughs> of like fun, you know, like it's, it's a cool spot. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean
1: like also, I mean, it's not all about drinking and going out and having a good time it's also like if you are in that space, it's also important to, I've had my fair share of like getting people home, getting them in taxis, getting them in Ubers. Yeah. uh, You know, just any, any sex or gender, anybody who's coming to hang out. It's, I've always tried to make sure people get back to their hotel so that, you know, nothing, nothing happens. You know, I think that's very important to look out for each other. If you are listening to this, and are get and what I don't want you to think that this is a place to just get rowdy and get drunk but it's you know be responsible don't get sloppy drunk
0: yeah that's the worst thing you can do especially if you're not i a mean pro. you got to be you got to be a top 10%er to like be getting sloppy barn, drunk right yeah you got to be you you have yeah there's just no room right for that and people but,
1: aren't going to tolerate that because they don't yeah. have to
0: yeah, like I would want people who who hang out with me after shows. I would want my reputation to be like, oh, he's a fun dude to hang out with and if we're in Phoenix, he'll take us someplace fun. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, but he's not going to like you, you know no one's walking me home at night cuz I'm stumbling and I'm not yeah. I'm not making an ass out of myself that they're talking about it the next morning.
1: And that happens, you know, like Yeah. That's okay, you know, to to have that happen to you because it's as long as nobody gets hurt you know i think it's very important for people to enjoy themselves have right. a good time but it's not and that's and the other key takeaway from all this is that that is not what you should do if you're if that's a thing that you are comfortable doing and the most important thing out of all this you could you could be that guy that goes to all the bars you could be that fun dude but if you're right. not making good comics, then it's it's not then it's not going to be it's not going to be
0: anything. Yeah, totally. Like, um, like I'll even at certain shows, if I don't want to have a bad rep, like I'll I'll go home. I'll go back to the hotel room, and then I'll I'll have a couple more if I don't feel like I'm quite ready for bed, you know. Or like, yeah, like, you know, like I've been known to go to a ho- a rooftop pool by myself at like two in the morning, you know. Nothing wrong yeah, with that. I want to. I want to hear that story. Oh, that was just the travel story, the drive story.
1: Yeah, but you don't have to tell it now. But I can't wait to hear it because I've heard Gonzo's version of that. Right. We were driving to. Um, we were driving to the last, like one, the last best show I did this year in San Francisco, um, Bcap. And we were driving and we were talking about something and he had brought you, we were driving home actually. Cause I was like, are you sure? You're like, you know, we've been here all day. Do You want me to drive? And he was like, no man, Ryan Cody, I got to get on Ryan Cody's level.
0: Yeah. Uh, basically. I mean, the short version is I, I drove, I drove, uh, we went to Charlotte and when he goes to heroes con, he wants to drive cause he has a whole setup that's, Complicated, And so I like to drive if there's more than one person cause it's cheaper to drive and I'd rather yeah. drive, I'd rather drive than fly. So we drove one year. So I basically uh, got the rental car, drove two hours to Phoenix, picked him up and then drove uh, all the way to Charlotte without stopping. So that's like a 35 hours or 35 hour haul straight through 34 hours, something like that. What? Because <laughs> like it's, it's, it's at some point like when I hit like Texas, <laughs> at some point I hit like Texas, and he's like, "You want me to drive?" And I have like, uh, I have like kind of kind of OCD to where it's like, "No, I'm I'm just gonna do it. I got it." And it's, he's like, "Well, it's, well, it's rentals in your name,
1: right?"
0: Yeah, but I that's not what I was really concerned about. I was just oh. like, no, "I I got it." I do the same thing when I drive with my wife. Like I'll drive all the way. So and then so. At some point it becomes like a personal challenge, right? So then I'm like, we're hitting like the Tennessee line or, you know, whatever, you know, Alabama. And I'm like, I got this, man. I'm going all the way. So 30 you know, hours. Well, I think it's a 32 hour drive from Phoenix. So 34 hours for How me. Do you
1: stay? Oh, oh my God. So you do this 34 hour drive, you get to the hotel.
0: And, I, and then he's like, he's like, we got a couple hours. Like do you, we got to, we got to the hotel at like, four or five. He's like, you want to take a nap and then go get dinner? And I'm like, no, let's just go out right now. So we went out, had dinner, (laughs) saw a couple people. I started drinking. Get back to the hotel around like nine. And he's like, I'm going to bed. And I grabbed like a six pack and went up to the roof, the hotel roof on the pool and drank until like one. So I was up for like, I was probably up for like 50 (laughs) hours or (laughs) something like that 40 48 (laughs) hours i'm not quite sure (laughs) and
1: you got the car the next day right
0: yeah and the next day we go set up
1: (laughs) oh my god that's so
0: funny the best part is the drive back i also insisted driving the whole way and then uh i fell asleep and hit a car outside of albuquerque oh my god yeah a little side swipe But, was gonzo in the car yeah oh so i think maybe he drove for a little bit after that because my nerves are rattled but oh yeah
1: yeah totally. i was more
0: upset at myself for being a complete failure and a piece of shit more than anything <laughs> else but yeah i don't uh, know I, I like i like those uh personal challenges especially as i get older i like proving to myself that i could still do stuff yeah uh, i did that i drove
1: yeah. from tucson to uh, oklahoma Without stop. Well, I stopped to drop something off, and I went from Lubbock, Texas, up to Oklahoma City.
0: Yeah, my wife and I uh, did a show. Well, I did a show, and she went with me a couple years ago in South Dakota, and I drove straight through from Flagstaff to South Dakota. That's like twenty hours. It's like nothing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, enough bragging about me. Uh, I I was always. (laughs) I, I love that story. Uh, two, more, two, last, two, uh, two more questions. Uh, I'm always kind of, I love that you have love for Tucson. So I was wondering if you could tell me what's so special about Tucson. For me, I like it because it reminds me of old Tempe. Before it was like gentrified and I mean before your time, but when I yeah. moved to Tempe, it, it was a lot like Fourth Street. It was a lot you could get cheap houses. Everyone, you know, friends could rent houses cheap. My son lives there now. He has a four bedroom house for less than what I pay for a two-bedroom apartment. In Tucson? Yeah. Up yeah. here. So it's like it's still affordable in Tucson. It's still dirty, and that's why I like it. Like oh, when you introduced yes. me to, when you introduced me to the buffet, it changed my life. I mean, oh my God. The buffet might be one of my favorite it's cars off-roads. on the planet.
1: Yeah, Crossroads Buffet, Next uh, um, Tucson is magical. It is so beautiful. Um, I hated it when I was a kid. When I was growing up, I did. I wanted to go to New York. I was like, I hate this place. And then, I'm. And then I started um, getting into the scene where I was going to shows and going to events and then meeting interesting people. And I started to realize that, and then something I'm very grateful for now that I live in LA, that in, in Tucson, people are kind and people are very uh, conscious of themselves and everyone around them and including the environment. This, the, uh, they call it the old Pueblo, the Sonoran Desert, a lot of amazing uh, cacti. And you have so many different wildlife, like owls and coyotes and uh, javelinas like things that, like, did you see that video about javelina running? No, there was like a video of a javelina running in Tucson just through like main streets, just booking it, and that's something you see all the time. But what, like, the somebody caught it on video, put it on the internet, and it was just like, like Oh my god, this look at that pig <laughs> run. One time, I was I, I used to live in a trailer with my high school sweetheart, and <laughs> This here's a funny story. So, so we, my mom makes me move into this trailer with my high school sweetheart who just moved out from Oklahoma and we're in this old beat up box, metal box. And it was our first place together. And then, um, so like I, I'd come out to go to work and I would see like urine and feces on my front yard. And I looked over and it was a coyote and a javelina walking in tandem like a looney tune. Like it looked like they were talking to each other as they were walking along the wash in the desert. And I was like, that's scary. Right. I can't believe they just crapped all over my front yard. So it kept happening. And then I, one day I'm using the restroom, I flush the toilet and I hear water drop and I run outside and I realized all of that was mine. Like The plumbing was plugged up, and the overflow was going into my front yard. And I look over, and my neighbors are looking at me with disgust. So I'm pouring bleach and cleaning up. And I call the landlord. The landlord's upset. It's Thanksgiving Day or the day before or the day after Thanksgiving. And this plumber comes in, and he's like, Let's dig. And I help this guy dig. Super chill, dude. We get to the pipe and there's just this big piece of wood in the pipe. And he was like, hey, man, probably he's like, just so you know, it's probably been 10 to 15 years since someone's lived here. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. But
0: like the point is, Tucson is a beautiful. That's Tucson <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah, I like it. It's dirty. I enjoy it's it.
1: Dirty. It's The food there, the Mexican food, the Sonoran Desert style is amazing. It used to be a place um, where the uh, – there was a blue – the Southwest Blue Circuit. So there was a lot of music that would come through. And a lot of um, Coachella acts would do a weekend before or after Tucson. So, like, there would always be huge musical acts in all, like, the times during South by Southwest, during Coachella – so you would see amazing musicians, uh, KCRW, the uh, not KCRW, that's the LA, KXCI, who I used to work for. I used to like, you know, spin music there. And I was, I just volunteered for a long time and I'm getting my own show. You could do right. anything you want in Tucson. That's the beauty of it. I became a journalist, became a DJ, did stand-up comedy. You could do anything you want, except there isn't a lot of money there. Like you said, it's very cheap very affordable it's very bikeable the whole city is flat um the sun the sunsets and the sunrise, like the sunsets they're magical i'm sure you get the same sunsets in phoenix right. but they're just so beautiful um, the monsoon season in tucson is incredible the creosote bush whenever it gets wet it just it emits this beautiful smell that you can't find anywhere else um, it's it's uh, Tucson so special, and I and I in my book, La Voz the Mile Without the Rambo, I try to put a piece of the '70s, the '60s, and the contemporary time, and show how how timeless it is. And right. um, yeah, that's I, I always encourage. I've encouraged so many people to move to Tucson. They've always thanked me. They've always been very happy with what the, their move there because of how cheap it
0: is. And I love it. Yeah. It's great town. I love it too. Um, all right. Last question. If you weren't a creator, like a writer, what would you, what would you think you'd be doing if you weren't working in a creative profession?
1: Yeah, that's a hard question. I think, um, like I'd be a a journalist, but I think that's creative. Right. Uh, I loved radio and music Right. So I would be in it, like, be working at KXCI, spinning music and going to shows. Yeah. I love bicycles. I'd probably be working on bikes and riding bikes. Um, I, I'm very lucky. As a lot of people don't know what they want to do with their lives. And when I was a kid, I wanted to make comic books, right. and I just stuck to it. But I think. I think I would be a journalist still, or at least radio journalism.
0: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I love about you is that you had a very uh, a well paying day job that you gave up to pursue creative endeavors. Um, I guess you were able to do that because you weren't saddled with a family or anything like that. But oh, I don't yeah. even think I don't even think a lot of people would have given up a stable day a stable day job to kind of chase their dream, and you did that at one point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I lost my job as a journalist. Um, that was the worst thing that had happened to me. And I was lucky to have found radio with Keg CI, and they had paid me to do some programming. But it wasn't enough to live where I have, like, a big living offer. Right. I had, a, I had a good job at Mr. Head's making enough money to live. But I, I wanted – I was making enough, and I wanted to do more. And I was very lucky – that I had some friends in L.A. that got me onto a film set and that had stuck their neck out for me so I can have a job in publishing and comics. So that was Patrick Meany, Jordan Renner, Jennifer Dooley. Uh, Rob Liefeld was one of the guys who, put my, who had vouched for me, Heidi McDonald, Shannon Denton. Um, just I was very lucky that I had forged a lot of relationships and had made a lot of friends and had... Meaningful, many meaningful people in my life right that had saw value in me
0: uh thanks for uh thanks for talking tonight man i know you had a oh. uh, you got shit going on and i hope that you're surviving <laughs> i hope that you're doing well during the quarantine and staying safe
1: thanks man i'm lucky i got a job with talk Cow and that i get to work with mark silvestri like yeah, that's th- one of that's the best. Right? Yeah, well, a legend. We get to work with Matt Hawkins and uh, Lena Salcedo and everybody. Vince, I get to work with such a cool tight knit group, and we still have we still have digital comics. We did a Kickstarter. We have uh, you know uh, other properties that are coming back, and we've done some small anthologies. At very exciting times, and uh, I'm very grateful that they have put out La Milo. I worked on with Gonzo and Renato Reese and Claire Napier, and that that came out before all this hit. Unfortunately, this was the year I was going to tour it and, like, right. really, you know, make some money off of it. But right. it was never about money, and I'm very happy that I got to tell that story. And I'm a lucky guy, and I'm loving the work you're doing on Family Tree, man. Thanks, such man. A, you know, uh, such... it's. It's good to see you uh in that roster with Lemire and, and Hester.
0: Yeah, they're good dudes. Uh yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh thanks for hanging out. Thanks for uh yeah. repping. Thanks for repping with the beer. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Yeah. All right, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully I'll see All you right. maybe, maybe in November if if shows exist in the fall. Maybe I'll see you this fall.